Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refresh and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we have a very special episode for you guys because it's Dawn's birthday. Happy birthday, Dawn. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's technically, we're recording this before her birthday, but this will come out after her birthday. So we're giving her the episode to dedicate to her. Um, but first on, do you have any birthday plans or do you, are you to do anything fun? I don't know for sure what we're going to do yet. My favorite thing to do on my birthday is to go to the zoo and the Fort Worth zoo is one of my happy places on the planet. And my favorite is favorite thing at the Fort Worth zoo is the stingrays. So last year I made my whole family go. We didn't know it was half price day until we got there. That was something we should have investigated earlier lots lots of daycares lots and lots of daycares but I got to go I got to hang out I got to pet the stingrays which were my my favorite thing but this year it's just so hot yeah you might roast at the zoo unless you just stay the stingrays are inside right well they're in a little tent type thing but they're not actually in a building I mean it's covered but I'm I'm worried about them like boiling so (laughs) worried about me boiling (laughs) right all right so maybe an alternative activity this year and save that one for fall (laughs) whatever we end up doing I know is going to involve air conditioning I don't know what it is yet but it's definitely going to involve air conditioning yeah good call um so what we thought we've never done a birthday episode before um so we thought we'd try something a little different with that and for Dawn's birthday she's going to bring us books that helped her form as a reader so kind of her reading history And so she's going to be doing a lot of talking in that part. And then I am going to gift her um, with three book recommendations that I have not read yet. So what I decided to do, we were at Book Bonanza this weekend, which we'll talk about in a second, because that's part of the thing today, too, is that we're going to cover Book Bonanza. But well, and I was supposed to keep my books to three books and spoiler alert, that just wasn't possible. (laughs) So I have more than three. Sorry. (laughs) No worries. I'm sure people will not complain about more books to read. Um, But I'm going to gift her with three book recommendations of books I haven't read, but that when I read about them, I was like, this sounds like Dawn could love it. So that's going to be my gift to her. And I made sure in the notes that she didn't see them. So I made her wait (laughs) because usually we have notes that we, we all see. So I was skimming through the notes, specifically skimming down to see what she recommended. And it just said, I'm not telling you this yet. And I don't think that was very nice of her. It's a birthday gift. (laughs) And then when we started to record, I started scrolling and she's like, no cheating. So I really don't know. I haven't looked. We'll see what they were like when we get there. All right. But first we're going to talk a little bit about Book Bonanza. If you're not familiar, it is a huge book conference here in Texas that's put on by Colleen Hoover. Um, And we spent three days there after a three-year hiatus and we forgot how exhausting it is to go and do a conference for three days, but also how exciting and fun it is to be among bookish friends again. So um, I think we're still in recovery. Dawn, are you finally feeling rested after our three-day adventure? 
finally now I'm, I wouldn't call it rested. I think I'm just back to functional at this point. Like I can actually get up out of my chair and not be like, ah, so it was so much fun. We met so many great people, but it was exhausting. It's five hours um, a day of book signing for two days in a row. And a five hour signing is a long time, <laughs> um, especially for me, who is an introvert. Um, it's takes a lot out of me to be, you know, upbeat and energetic. And I love talking to people, but it drains me. So I bring Dawn as my designated extrovert. So she helps um, do some of the talking and kind of, she invites everybody to our table and, you know, she does her, uh, her extroverty thing. So she is, was a great assistant to me, but yeah, we were, we had a lot of fun, um, but we're tired, but we're uh, glad we went. Cause I got to do the cool things. Like I met my audiobook narrator. So Desiree Ketchum, who narrates the say everything series. Um, and she does an amazing job. So if you haven't listened to those in audio, um, go, you know, try that out and look at, listen to the sample because she is fantastic to meet her in person was great. So it was so much fun. Well, and that was such a sweet moment, y'all. I just have to tell y'all, cause we just kind of like ran into her in a hallway and she's like, Ronnie and Ronnie's like, oh, and it was so sweet because they were so cute. Like, I just love you. You're so amazing. And I just love you too. You're so amazing. <laughs> and it was just this great mutual, re- mutual respect that was awesome. And she is just a doll. She's just so adorable. Yes. And so talented. And yeah, we're definitely a mutual admiration society. So I was really happy to meet her, but we met all kinds of interesting people at my table and just out and about. So Dawn, we met a librarian from small town, Texas, that she was fantastic. Yes. She was going on. Her name is Miss Connie. And she was telling us all about how basically she single-handedly got her library, a romance section, And she was so proud of the work she's done. So we promised we would give her a shout out because she was great. I could have talked to her all afternoon. Yeah, she gets, she said the budget for the library is literally like $5,000 for books, which is like nothing for a library. So she has a whole wall of romances now. So she is a romance hero. So hello, Connie, if you're listening. And then Dawn, because she is an includer who likes to invite everybody over while we're sitting at our table, she invited all kinds of people to have lunch with us and to come say (laughs) hi. So Well, we met Eva Poehler. She was our neighbor on one side. And then Rochelle Page was our neighbor on the other side. And then we met LG O'Connor and Kilby Blades. And we had this fantastic volunteer whose name was Chris Ann. And they were all fabulous. And I had a little bit of a fangirl moment because I have talked about the book Waking the Dragon on previous episodes and the author of that book, Juliet Cross, was seated directly across from us the whole weekend. So I did manage to very calmly walk over and explain that I'd talked about her book on our podcast and I got a picture, which will be up on all our social media. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, she was super nice. And I found out she's from Louisiana too, like I am. So um, we got to chat about that too. But yeah, she was directly across from us. It was serendipitous. Dawn was meant to meet her. Uh, I was. Yes. And our volunteer, Chris Ann, if she is listening, she was fantastic. The volunteers at this conference were amazing. Y'all. They put in so much hard work. They're not getting paid for it. And they're just, it's their love of books and love of authors, you know, that they do it. So thank you to all the volunteers at Book Bonanza. And then beyond signing books, I got to participate in a couple of things. One was I got to play Never Have I Ever on stage in front of like, I don't know, hundreds or a thousand people. I don't know how many people <laughs> in that ballroom because I think I blacked out, <laughs> but I played Never Have I Ever with authors E.L. James, Colleen Hoover, Scarlett St. Clair, Zio Axelrod, and Sierra Simone. So 
yeah, no pressure. You guys sitting up there with those fantastic authors, but I did not know when I got my notes that, Hey, can you participate in this event? That it was like the big event of the night. I thought it was going to be in like this little small room and like celebrating my publisher. And it was just going to be like an intimate gathering of people. No, no. I found out at dinner, like 30 minutes before I had to go to it, when I'm reading notes that it was in the room, that was the ballroom. And then I looked at the initials of the people because I didn't have the names of the other authors. And I was like, ELJ, who would that be? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm at the big event. (laughs) I'm playing Never Have I Ever with E.L. James. Okay, fantastic. And Dawn has still not stopped laughing at my panic. (laughs) I have have not. Because y'all, okay, so we're eating dinner. We were starving. Mm -hmm. So I'm basically, you know, eating like a Tyrannosaurus Rex that hasn't had food since the Jurassic period. And so I am shoving this hamburger down my down my throat. And I just hear Ronnie go, Dawn. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, I'm going to play Never Have I Ever on stage in the big ballroom with E.L. James. And Colleen Hoover. And Colleen Hoover. (laughs) And she started naming off all these people. And so when I finished choking on my hamburger, I have still been laughing at her because she did an amazing job. Y'all looked very comfortable out there, up there. Ronnie did a great job. She even spoke into the microphone once. I was so proud of her. But the sheer terror in her voice at that moment (laughs) It's something I will just cherish forever. Such a good friend. Dawn is such a good such friend. A good friend. <laughs> no, it was true terror. You guys getting in front of people is already nerve wracking for me, but being kind of blindsided by it's going to be a giant room of people. Um, yeah, that's like my worst nightmare, but I did it. I kind of blacked out on stage. I'm sure like, and on stages like that, you can't actually see the audience. So that helped because it just lights, but, um, yeah, I don't even remember what I said up there. So if anybody videoed it, don't send it to me. I don't even want to know. <laughs> Do you have pictures though, that will be up on our social media? (laughs) Yes. Um, but other fun things we discovered strawberry ice cream, Hershey kisses. Yes. That's a thing. Um, that was on our table and we pushed them on everybody because we were afraid we were going to eat all of them because they were delicious. (laughs) And if you've never had them, you definitely need them in your life. Yes. Or not. (laughs) If if you don't want to be on a sugar high constantly, but when you're sitting there for five hours, sugar helps. Um, and then we got to have a dinner with my Sourcebooks publicist and Zio Axelrod, who is a, an author with Sourcebooks as well. She writes um, contemporary romance. And we ate at this, I'm not going to name names. We ate at a big chain restaurant that happens to sell Asian cuisine. So you can think about what that might be, but I think they tried to kill Zio. They did. We were in the middle, amazingly enough, I was in the middle of talking and I realized Everybody had stopped and I looked up to see Zio pulling a piece of the plate out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And there was a tiny chip that it, and it actually, I shouldn't say that it wasn't that tiny. I could see it from across the table in dim lighting. There was a chip of a plate that was mixed in with her food. A very sharp chip and Zio sings too. So dangerous to be swallowing glass. Um, and so we called the waiter over who was very nice to go get his manager. And the manager came over and we, she explained the situation. Zio explained the situation that she's still picking through to see if there's any other pieces of plate in her fried rice. And the manager said, what Don? She 
first of all, blinked at her like she was Dora, as if she could not comprehend any of the words we were saying. And then she said the line that will go down in infamy of, well, keep me updated and wandered away. <laughs> keep us posted, you guys. She wanted <laughs> Zio to continue to pick through her meal and keep us posted if she found any other yes. glass. Keep us posted, yes. Didn't replace the meal. Didn't offer to comp the meal. Finally, we had to go and get her again and say, um, could she have more food? Because let's not have to have her pick through with chopsticks to find a piece of glass and rice. Um, so yeah. Well, I have to say, um, Anna, who mm-hmm. was Zia's assistant, went and got her and was like, no, we're making this right. So shout out to Anna. <laughs> Assistants make things happen. Um, but yeah, so that dinner was fun, except for the scary, you know, almost died part for Zio. And Um, But overall, I'm really glad we went. It was so nice. So any of you who are listening who were there, thank you so much for coming to my table. I really needed that, I think, because after three years of not seeing readers face to face, you kind of forget that people are reading your books. Like even if there's online and interaction stuff, it's different when somebody walks up to you and is like, I love this character. I love this book. It makes me feel re-energized to write. It makes me feel more connected. Um, to what I'm doing into the community. So thank you to all of those who came over and said hi or got a book signed or just chatted with us in general. It was really uh, a good thing, I think, overall for me. Absolutely. It made my little extroverted heart so happy. I got to see so many people and got to talk to so many people. So yes, it was a great experience. I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. And I'm still recovering. So <laughs> I'm still exhausted. My my stores are empty, but um, all right. So Next year, if you want to come, it happens every year in, well, pandemic's pending, but um, it happens every year in Dallas-Fort Worth. So get your tickets for Book Bonanza 2023. Now we get to celebrate Dawn's birthday and she gets to go first to tell us how did Dawn become a reader? So what books kind of led you down that path that got you here? So this took a lot of thought for me because My first thought whenever we talked about doing this as a topic, I was like, oh, that'll be so easy. And then I realized I had to narrow it down. And that took a lot of, oh, but I love this one and I love this one more, but I do, I really, I need to mention that one. So here's what I have come down with. This is the pared down list. (laughs) Y'all just need to get comfy. Go grab you a drink, snuggle in because Ronnie is wonderful and does the show notes. We will have links to all of these in the show notes for you. So you don't have to take notes. And some of these are going to be very classic that you've already heard of, but sometimes I think, especially those of us who are in this industry, we make the mistake of just assuming somebody already knows everything about that book. So here is what I went with. First of all, had to start with a wrinkle in time by Madeline Langle. And we've talked about this book several times on the previous podcast because it really was a very formative book for me. It was the first book, as I mentioned before, that I remember someone specifically sitting down and reading to me. And it's the first book that I mentioned that I could fully relate to that character. And I really, as I've said in the previous episode, the person who was reading it to me didn't get a chance to finish it because we moved. And so I ended up, Somebody at some point, either I bought a copy at one of those fabulous scholastic book fairs that I so wish, which is basically what uh, Book Bonanza is for adult, by the way. Yes, the scholastic book fair was like the best day. (laughs) Like when you got those little forms and everything. And this book is on my list too. So I second this recommendation because this is one of the books that made me a writer as well. So just in case anyone is not familiar with the plot, 
it actually starts with the words, it was a dark and stormy night. And I love that. But it is the story of Meg. And Meg is early teenager. I think she's supposed to be like 12 or 13. Very smart. And her father is a scientist and he has gone missing doing research on a certain thing. And so the story is how Meg, her brother, who is a very precocious child named Charles Wallace, and their neighbor, who is this popular boy at her school named Cal, end up going on an adventure basically to another dimension to save her father. And I've reread it fairly recently, like within the past two years or so, and it still holds up. Some of those older books for us kids who were children of the 80s, some of them not so much. This still very much holds up. I'm glad to hear that because I haven't read it in a long time and I have caught like a copy of it. So I'm tempted to do it again. And it makes me wonder now that you're talking about it. I wonder if this is where my love of time travel-y stories, like, you know, different things you play in with time. Like now that I think about it, that was a formative, one of the first books that is the first time book I've ever read. So that, that would definitely, I think it's part of my love of fantasy and a little bit of a sci-fi. I do have to say out of respect for this book and my deep, deep love for it, for the love of all that is good and holy, do not watch the movie that was made of it. I'm sorry. It was not good. I wish I had good things to say about it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. So apparently I didn't need to, but I don't think I've seen it. So I remember seeing the preview and as soon there was a word that they said that, and I can't remember what it was, but there was an immediate trigger that I was like, this is a wrinkle in time. And then immediately it was like, that was the high point of it. And <laughs> yeah, no, do, do not watch the movie. So moving forward in Dawn's formative years here. <laughs> I'm picturing like the little mountain climbers on the Price is Right, where he goes, do, 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 up the mountain. Like I'm picturing this in like Dawn's reading life of a book, a pile of books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for we know that it's me and mountain climbing would not be involved. <laughs> No, I would climb to the top of a pile of books. We should totally set up a landmark like that. Like there should be a landmark somewhere in the world that is a pile of books that you can climb up on and sit at the top like a dragon. I think it's already at my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, the books yeah. so the next one that I wanted to talk about is very old and very classic. And that is The Secret Garden by Frances Hodson Burnett. And this one is just a, pe- a testament to the power of English teachers. Because... I distinctly remember being in fifth grade and bless all of the teachers that had to deal with me in fifth grade because I was a mess for various reasons. But Mrs. Moore handed me this book, like gave me a copy of it and was like, you need to be reading this because she felt like I was reading stuff that was too below my grade level. You need to be reading this. And I absolutely fell in love with it. It was the first book I downloaded on my Kindle when I got my very first Kindle. And The book was written originally as a serialized thing for a magazine in 1910. Oh. And so I think the book was actually published as a book in 1911. And I have reread it when I I was, it's been a couple of years ago now. Some of it doesn't hold up quite as well because it was 1911. I mean, times have changed slightly. So in case you're not familiar with the story of The Secret Garden, It is about this very spoiled child whose name is Mary and her family is very aristocratic and they live somewhere in India. I can't remember where now, but basically her entire family, including the servants who usually take care of her, 
die of cholera. And there's this very sad moment in the beginning where she wakes up and there's just nobody. And it takes her a while because she's such a young child. It takes her a while to realize that there's nobody, but somebody finds her and then they send her to live with an uncle that she didn't know she had who is in England. And so a completely new world for her, completely new everything. And the uncle's old and mysterious. He's like the stereotypical weird uncle you didn't know you had. So she's pretty much left on her own and she's exploring, like there's a, um, I think she's a cook who's like, you need to go outside, <laughs> you know, get, get out and breathe. And so it's all about her exploring this English manor and the grounds. And she finds this little garden and starts sneaking in to take care of it because she really doesn't have anything else to do. And then one night, because, you know, there's got to be a little bit of mystery for me. One night she hears somebody screaming in the middle of the night at the manor. And she realizes that there's another child living there. Yeah. I, I read this one when I was young. I think I can still picture the cover that I had, like the Mm -hmm. version that I had. Um, But I think what could be helpful is if listeners have kids, um, if you can note, if some of these books you think would hold up for kids now. Um, if they are trying to develop readers at home, like I, I know a wrinkle in time is still going to hold up. I don't remember. I haven't read the secret garden in so long. I don't know what a kid today be able to connect with it still. Do you think? I think so. I think probably like eight to 11 year olds. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a good age for this. I remember our library had it on tape and I would check it out on cassette tape and listen to it on my little red tape player until I fell asleep. So I can see where I think some kids would still be, if they're still fascinated by the idea of exploring and going out and finding something, there's no romance in it. There's very little angst in it other than she's worried about getting in trouble because she's someplace she's not supposed to be. So, and this one, I do have to say, there's been a couple of movies made about this one and some of them are actually really good. So okay. this one, this one you can watch the movie on. All right. What's your next one, Dawn? I know this one. You, you've talked about this one a couple of times. So it's very important oh, yes. to you. So every child of the eighties, you had to have been obsessed with the outsiders by Essie Hinton. And I have passed this on. I'm so proud because I have passed this on to my children. They're, they each have their own copy because the copies kept disappearing at our house. So this absolutely influenced me both as a reader and as a writer because there's so much conflict and there's so much angst and if you're not familiar for some reason if you're not familiar with familiar with the story of the outsiders it is the story of pony boy who has a brother named soda pop by the way and they are growing up in oklahoma and are basically caught in the middle of the class war They're from the wrong side of the tracks, very, very rich kids at their schools, basically run everything. And I think this might have started my love for dark romance Mm -hmm. because there's a couple of romantic subplots. They're very, very, very small. The romance is not the focus of this at all. The focus is them trying to live in this world. But if you have read the book, I was absolutely in love with Dallas. That was, that was who I wanted to date and who I thought, you know, Pony Boy's very sweet and he's very nice. No, give me the guy who's robbing places. I'm totally down with that. <laughs> this is so much about you, Don. just saying. 
(laughs) (laughs) This one also has a movie. And what's really sad about the movie is it's not very well acted. Almost every single person in that movie went on to become mega famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's it's like they, it's all it's a student film before they were all famous. And- <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a moment in time movie. Like, yes, you're not watching it necessarily for like the fantasticness of it, but like to see all those actors when they're first starting out and their kids and like I think that's worth watching just for historical purposes, you know, for you know throwback. Well, and I think it's interesting because my kids have watched the movie and they don't think it's as bad as I do. Mm. But I was also so obsessed with the book and I read several other of S.E. Hinton books as well. I was also so obsessed with that book that I think I had such a strong picture in my head of who they were supposed to be. And that wasn't fulfilled for me. I think that's all, I was gonna say, I think that's always the risk of when you love a book so hard. Like when you're so into it that no movie could really ever live up to it. So the bar is too high. Well, and I will have to say in support of the movie, Matt Dillon plays Dallas in the movie, a very, very young, very hot Matt Dillon. So that just fed that fire for me too. <laughs> and this is gonna, I'm, I'm shifting really big here because this author is somebody that I don't think you hear a lot of anymore. I think if you're talking about a moment in time, I think these books were very much that moment in time, but we're talking about me today. So I get to talk about the authors I want to talk about. So this is where I kind of cheated because it's Robert, Robert Cormier and he had a lot of books back in the, in the eighties. And I guess maybe a little in the early nineties, I'm trying to remember, or actually I think his books might've come from the seventies and I just found them in the eighties. But the one he's most famous for is The Chocolate War. And The Chocolate War is a story of, there's an all boys prep school. Of course, there's all these sorts of divisions between the different groups. And one group basically runs it and they like to give the other kids assignments. And like one kid's assignment is to loosen all the screws in this classroom so that all the chairs collapse, that kind of thing. And they give the main character the assignment that he is to refuse to participate in the chocolate fundraiser. He's not going to sell the chocolate. And it's supposed to stop, I think, after like a week or 10 days or something like that. And he kind of gets an attitude about things and decides to keep going, that he's making a stand, that they're not going to tell him what to do and the school's not going to tell him what to do. And he's still going to refuse to be involved with this fundraiser, which sounds like a really tiny thing. But I think this book was one of the first ones to show me how much a really tiny thing can cause a really big effect, like a huge ripple effect. And I will also say this was the first book that I really remember reading that did not have a happy ending. And I would still go back and reread it. Yeah, that's a big endorsement. (laughs) Well, it was the first book to teach me that it didn't have to have a happy ending to be compelling. And so I fell in love with Robert Cormier's writing. I started reading everything he had. And so the one that doesn't get as much press from him is called After the First Death. And this was the first like real suspense thriller that I remember reading, which I think planted that seed very strongly. And it is about a group of terrorists who hijack a school bus to preschool children 
And I know that sounds terrible and it is, and it kind of is. But what is interesting about it is that one of the terrorists is a teenager and he has a point of view and his orders are to shoot the bus driver. As soon as they take over the bus, he's supposed to shoot the bus driver and the bus driver is supposed to be an old man. And when he gets on the bus, it's a teenage girl who is driving in place of her uncle that day. So again, doesn't necessarily have a happy ending at all, but compelling, very, very deeply compelling. And I haven't read it since I read it back then. So I can't speak if that one would hold up today or not. Yeah. I've never even heard of that one. I've heard of the chocolate war. I never read it, but I haven't even heard of this one, but that is a compelling premise for sure. Yes. It's, I don't know now that having kids, because I read this as a teenager, now that I have kids, I don't know if I would feel differently reading it, Mm -hmm. especially because it is about kids on a bus and there, and if it was released today, there would be trigger warnings for it. Right. So if you're interested in it and you want to know if you think it might be something you want to read, hit me up on social media. You know, I'll always give all the spoilers you want there. And next I'm looking at our notes and it's Dawn's queen. (laughs) Who is Dawn's queen? Dawn's queen is Judy Bloom. Absolutely. I got to meet her once. And that is like one of the top five best moments of my life right there is that I got to meet Judy Bloom in person, speak directly to her after two hours of signing books, she was still very friendly, very polite, and she still stopped, put down her pen, looked my daughter, who was about nine or 10 at the time, looked her in the eye and answered her question before continuing to sign her book. And so she will always be my queen. She was exactly who I wanted her to be when I met her. It was fabulous. So when my house catches on fire, after my children are going to, are out the door, I will grab my signed copy of Summer Sisters and take it out the door with me. And I help my <laughs> husband can, you know, run for himself at that point. So, so looking at this, as far as which of her books did I consider formative for me, that was, I mean, I could do a whole show on Judy Bloom books, but the two that I had to narrow it down, the first one is Forever, of course. All of us who grew up in that time period and all of us who have this deep romance love in our heart loved forever. And in case you're not familiar with forever, Judy Bloom wrote it for her daughter because her daughter came to her at that time and said, I want a book where two kids have sex and nobody dies. Because all the YA books back then, if they had sex, the girl instantly got pregnant and somebody died and something bad happened. So it is very much just a first love book. First love, teenagery type, awkwardness, all that. What's interesting is even though I would credit that for like my love of romance, by our strict definitions, it is not a romance. Mm -hmm. And that surprised me when I stopped to think about it. So have to mention forever. And then... I would say out of all of her books, my absolute favorite was Tiger Eyes. And again, this was one of those books that I just needed at that point in my life because it delves very deeply into grief and into loss. And I had some experience with that. And if you're not familiar with Tiger Eyes, it is the story of Davy, who is a girl, and she lost her dad in a violent crime. He's killed in in a robbery. And so her mother takes her and her brother to Mexico to kind of get away from everything. 
and they're living with her aunt and things just aren't good you know her whole family is kind of falling apart so she goes out exploring one day and she meets this he's slightly older it's not a huge age gap but a slightly older boy who is from there and they kind of form this bond and it's very much a in my opinion slice of life book it's just this this is what happened for this one year and again it's not by what we would consider by our standards it is not a romance but it really got into all of these issues like grief like loss there's an alcoholism issue in there there's all of these things that teenagers really deal with and I think sometimes people tend to discount that and it was still it's very different from today's YA romances though because in today's YA romances it seems like a lot of the times the teenagers really have it much more together than I know (laughs) I did at that age right you know the guy's much more smooth about some things you know that kind of thing so it really kind of captured that awkward teenagery love and then the other one because I had to limit myself on the Judy Blooms the other one that I was going to use for my rad wreck actually but it is really hard to find now Hmm. is an anthology that Judy Bloom put together using author it's original stories by authors who have been banned before Mm. and it was the title of it is places I never meant to be and it's this great collection of short stories that I just loved whenever I got it but I when I started looking for it for the link you have to find it in like a used bookstore at this point so it's not my red wreck but it would definitely be a red wreck yeah I would say maybe this is you know when you can put on your list when you go hunting at half price books or any of the used bookstores in your own area because you never know what you'll find well done. I think that was a really good journey up your mountain of books. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sitting on the top like a dragon, like right. these are all mine. <laughs> I will blow fire on you. Yeah. And I'm going to try to add some books to that pile. So um, when we decided we were going to do this and that I was going to do three recommendations, I, that's a lot to start from, like all of the books of the world, but three, am I going to pick, where am I going to kind of go with direction? So What I decided was since we just left Book Bonanza and we met all these new authors or saw authors on panels that I would try to find you three recs of people that we saw um, at Book Bonanza or talked to at Book Bonanza. So I'm going to like give a caveat. I have not read these books, so I don't know how good they are or not, but I liked the authors in person. So sometimes that's a good sign. Um, And I'm picking these based on like Dawn would be into this, like some element of it made me think of Dawn and I'm going to not pick any mystery or suspense. Um, And I know that Dawn, that's her wheelhouse. But lately, Dawn, I've noticed just as an observation, you've been kind of missing, you know, with the suspenses every art. Is that plural? Suspenses is a weird word. Um, I don't think it's suspense. I The suspense choices you have made lately, they've kind of just been those middling kind of three star nothing has stood out lately so maybe you need a break I do and but since you know thrillers and suspense are my my general choice if any of y'all out there have a great oh you have to read this right now I need the recommendations I need something to get me out of the slump give me a dead body let's do it (laughs) all right so my first recommendation for you today is a little outside of your norm but I'm going to tell you why I'm recommending it so this is Fallen Too Far by Abby Glines. 
and Leonard apparently is endorsing this by, I don't know what he's making noise with, so sorry. Um, but this is book one in the Rosemary Beach series. And we saw Abby on a panel of YA authors and she was just a hoot, like Southern accent and just funny and really engaging. And she said that her stories have a lot of angst and they get steamy, even if they're in the YA new adult zone. So that perked my ears up for sure. But um, so I was looking up books for me. Like this is how this started. I was looking up Abby Glenn's books for me um, because steam and angst are, you know, yes, my happy buttons. Um, but when I opened the look inside feature on this book and read the first pages, I was like, oh, Dawn would love this character and her voice. So first about the book, this is just the back cover. The wealthy son of a rocker, a tough farm girl from Alabama, two step siblings from different worlds, one summer in Rosemary Beach. The last thing Blair Wynn wants is to move in with her father's new family in Rosemary Beach, Florida. She has no choice. Blair's mother has passed away after a long illness, leaving behind a mountain of medical debt and no way for Blair to keep their small Alabama farmhouse. Driving into the wealthy resort town in a pickup truck with a pistol under her seat, Blair knows she'll never fit in. She's even more disappointed to discover that her father has left for Paris, leaving her with her new stepbrother, Rush Finley. The cynical, condescending, and unapologetic son of an infamous rock star, Rush is as spoiled as he is gorgeous, and he immediately gets under Blair's skin. But as the summer goes by, Blair begins to see a side of Rush she never expected, and the chemistry between them becomes impossible to ignore. Unknown to her, Rush has a secret that could destroy Blair's entire world. Will she find out what he's hiding before she falls too far? I have to say, driving into the town with a pickup truck and a pistol under her seat, I like her already. <laughs> but um, so it's a sassy Southern girl heroine. Um, and it's, it seems to be a cocky alpha hole hero, which Dawn, let's just be honest, you seem to be attracted to in your books. <laughs> Not her actual husband. Her husband is very nice. <laughs> so. Yes, he's very, very nice. <laughs> um, but Dawn does tend to like a cocky hero who needs a lot of redemption. Um, plus it has that stepbrother, stepsister thing where, so there's a forbidden element, which can be fun in books. Um, my only caveat, Dawn, I'm giving you the warning now it is a trilogy. So this is going to be a cliffhanger ending. That's your YA and anything. Um, so you've been warned, but if you're looking for something a little different, I thought maybe a sassy Southern girl who's going to take no crap would be up your alley. So that is fallen too far by Abby Glenn's. So, and I'm going to ask Dawn at the end which one she's going to pick out of these three if, you know, she picks one first, but Dawn initial thoughts. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Initially I'm like, yes, I am totally here for you. <laughs> All right. So my next one, we're going to go darker because as we know, Dawn has brought us some dark romances um, on the podcast and she's not afraid to go there in her reading. So we saw Pam Godwin talk on a panel about dark romance. And so I went through her books and was trying to find the perfect one for Dawn and this is Dirty Ties by Pam Godwin. So um, the back cover is one of those like short back covers. So I'll read it, but then I'm going to kind of give you a little more information. So the back cover is Revenge. I race to finance it. I evade to protect it. I kill to attain it. I planned everything except her, the alluring, curvaceous blonde at the finish line, the sapphire eyes that cheat and lie, whose powerful family murdered mine. I hate her. I want her. I know she's hiding something, but so am I. So this is a revenge story, which Dawn, I think you like, um, because there's built-in tension already. And the hero races motorcycles. Dawn, your husband is a motorcycle rider. So I, that was why I picked this one. Um, the premise is that the heroine Casey is married, but it's some kind of like arrangement to please their wealthy families. And it's a marriage in name only. Um, so the hero Logan comes along and 
She's seen him racing, you know, his motorcycle at these races, and she's drawn to him, but he's out for revenge against her family. So I haven't read this, but Pam Godwin is known for very dark romance. So those of you listening, you've been warned. This is, you know, I don't know if there's non-consensual scenes in it, but she has written some of that. So just look at the trigger warnings um, or read the reviews. The hero will probably do some things that would be irredeemable in real life or in a normal romance, but in dark romance, if the author's good at what she does, she'll somehow find redemption for them, usually via the heroine which is the magic of these books. So um, this is Dirty Ties by Pam Godwin. So dark motorcycle riding hero. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I should point out, my husband does ride motorcycles. He does not race them. That's a... (laughs) That's a rule that we have in my house. Is she would kill him before the, the yes. motorcycle did. <laughs> I will sell all of them while you're at lunch one day. I'm telling you. So, but yes, absolutely. I would totally like that one too. All right. And then number three, I went where I knew I'd be safe. Um, it is Wolf Gone Wild by Juliet Cross. So we talked about Juliet already. She wrote the dragon book, um, Waking the Dragon. So this is a different series, but um we had a twilight debate on this podcast and I was team Edward and Dawn has always been team Jacob. I have moved over to team Jacob recently. However, I'm still more pro vampire than pro wolf. Dawn is solidly pro wolf. So absolutely. Yes. I'm bringing her a slow burn werewolf romance. Um, so this is the back cover. It's got one of those little bullet lists at the top. So it's steamy, slow burn force proximity, geeky star Wars, loving heroine, which I thought Dawn also go for that cinnamon roll hero with a super naughty inner wolf and what's the worst thing that could happen to a werewolf unable to shift for three months mateo cruz knows all too well his wolf has taken up residence in his head taunting him day and night with vividly violent and carnal thoughts convinced he's cursed he needs to help the help of a powerful witch before he literally goes insane evie savoy has always obeyed the house rules of her coven no werewolves they're known for being moody and volatile so when a distempered dangerous werewolf strolls into the bar and almost strangles one of her late night customers She's ready to bounce him through the door, but the desperation in his eyes when he begs for her to help him softens her heart and convinces her to bend the rules. What Evie doesn't know is that Mateo's wolf has a mind of his own. And now that she's in his sights, he wants only one thing, her. Um, the cover of this one is adorable. And Naima Simone calls it Venom meets the Vampire Diaries. So that made me want to read it now. So I'm on board <laughs> with this too. Um, but I think I'm going to pick up her vampire series first since I'm pro-vampire, which starts with the Black Lily. So Donna gave you one with an author that's already worked for you. So hopefully that one's a safe pick. Oh, yes. I have vampires and he's in a bar and she's going to throw him out. Yes, I'm totally. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to read all three of them. I'll take all three of them. <laughs> okay. I did good. Yay. <laughs> Do you have one that stands out more that like the mood you're in right now or anything? The mood I'm in right now, I just finished editing a really great paranormal. Mm-hmm. And so... I think the mood that I'm in right now, I would go for the dark romance first, just for something a little different. Okay. But I would definitely go for all three of these. Awesome. Well, if she reads any of them, you know, she'll bring them to the podcast for us to let me know how successful I am at randomly, not randomly picking, but picking books that I haven't read yet, which is a little bit of a challenge. Um, But happy birthday, Dawn. I hope the books treat you well. And now it is time for our normal thing each week, which is our rad reading recs of the week. And Dawn, I know you were trying to bring us a Judy Bloom, but you brought us another favorite author instead to stay on theme. So what is your rad rec for your birthday week? 
Yeah, I cheated just a little bit on this one because if Judy Bloom is my queen, then I would say like whatever is below the queen. Princess? Who still gets to rule things though. <laughs> I don't know royalty. That would be Janet Ivanovich for me. Like adult, my adult queen would be Janet Ivanovich. And I loved her one for the money series. I will admit I'm very, very behind on it. So I haven't read the last couple of books. But I wanted to bring for our rad wreck this week the very first one that starts the Stephanie Plum series, which is one for the money. And I had to check, I checked twice to make sure I hadn't actually made this a rad wreck before. And I think part of the reason I love this series so much is because I did read it with my mom and my aunt and a bunch of friends. And so it kind of really felt like we were creating a community. But I really like Stephanie Plum as a character. And Stephanie Plum is a Jersey girl who has turned into a bounty hunter. She blackmails her cousin who runs a bail bonds business into giving her a job. And the first book, her first assignment is to bring in Joe Morelli, who is a vice cop that is being charged with murder and has skipped bail and happens to be the guy she lost her virginity to. So it has this great cast of secondary characters, the main character, Stephanie Plum, is very, very likable. Lots of over-the-top, which I, I enjoy every now and then, kind of fun rom-com type things, but still has the, the chase and the element of mystery and that. And if you are a fan of the, of the series, I do have to announce my allegiance, which I am firmly Team Ranger. <laughs> so that probably means whatever the other team is, whatever that be. So it seems to always fall on opposite sides. All right. And that is One for the Money by Janet Ivanovich is hers. So mine, um, I usually try to bring you guys ones that aren't like the biggest books in the land, you know, to bring you something you haven't heard of, or is not getting as much press. That is not what is happening today. Everyone has heard of this book. However, I also believe of if a book is getting a lot of hype and it deserves the hype, then more power to the book. So this is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. I did listen to this in audio and the audio is by Julia Whalen, who is literally like the number one, you know, audiobook narrator that romance readers love. Um, so she did, I think it might've been my first Julia Whalen I listened to, and she was a great narrator. So I see why she gets, you know, so much love, but Emily Henry as an author can be hit or miss for me. I loved Beach Read, like loved it. Um, but then I didn't love the people we meet on vacation as much. So this one thankfully bounced back um, for me. I really enjoyed it. The premise is that Nora is a literary agent and it's that she's like that stereotypical control freak, New York businesswoman, you know, like kind of tightly wound, always wearing the high heels and just, you know, works really hard. The author, well, Emily Henry said she wanted to tell the story of the woman who's usually the one left behind in those small town Hallmark romances. Like that's the woman that the guy was with. And then he realizes he really needs, needs that baker who, you know, right. makes dog biscuits in small town USA or whatever. So she wanted to write the other woman's story. Um, so I really liked that twist. And Nora's younger sister is Libby and she's more like the typical small town romance heroine, her little sister. And she's taken, Nora's taken care of her little sister since their mother died. And she'll pretty much do anything for Libby. And Libby wants them to take a trip to Sunshine Falls mm -hmm a small town where one of her favorite books is based. Now Libby is pregnant and married and all that. She's a grown woman. Um, but she drags Nora basically, you know, out of New York, like we're going to go visit all these sites. And the book that she loves is one of Nora's clients. So Nora is the literary agent for that author. And it's this huge book. So 
when they arrive, Nora runs into an editor slash nemesis who's named Charlie. And at the beginning of the book, she pitches this book to Charlie, like as a literary agent. And he's like, I don't want it. I don't like it. And she's like, how can you not like it? Like this author had a great bestselling book before. And he's like, it's not her best work. So she's, you know, they develop this kind of enemy relationship. Well, you find out when now she's in Sunshine Falls, Charlie's from Sun- Sunshine Falls. So he didn't like the book because it wasn't portrayed realistically. So an enemies to lovers romance ensues after that. The banter in this book is fantastic. So if you want a masterclass in banter, Emily Henry really does um, great banter. So the first half of the book had a lot of like narrative drive because of all that like enemies to lovers tension. Um, and once they started to get together, that tension softened a little bit, but then it, the focus kind of shifted more to Nora and Libby, her sister to like their kind of tension in their relationship. So I liked the romance bits a little bit more than the sister relationship bits, just because I'm more of a romance reader than a women's fiction reader. Um, that's just a personal preference, not a, a ding on the writing. But I also really enjoyed the tongue in cheek take on like that small town romance tropes. Like everybody has a really quirky job and like, you know, the guys all have a certain look and um, that Nora was not going to have to change into that small town heroine in order to get her happy ending. So I like that that's the take she took um, on it. But there's lots of inside baseball type talk about the publishing industry. I'm into that because I'm in that industry and I can say that it was accurate because a lot of times... (laughs) publishing industry is not portrayed so accurately in TV. Like I loved the lost city movie. That is not how publishing works. (laughs) Like she was still writing the book, but the launch event was like the next week. Yeah. That's, that's not really how that works. Well, and I have to say, we just spent three days at a huge readers conference and at no point did Channing Tatum show up and take his shirt off. No, he did not. He did not. Not even once. No. So that is Book Lovers by Emily Henry, especially if you like books that are set in the book world. This was a great one, but that's all we've got for you this week. I will be going on vacation. So that will be lovely. So when y'all this comes out, I will hopefully be in a much cooler place than 105 degree Texas and Dawn, hopefully you can do something fun for your birthday. Yeah. I'm sure we will find something involving air conditioning that's pretty much going to be my only requirement i did want to add if you met us during book bonanza if you came by the table you saw us if you have pictures we would love to have that on our social media we'll be doing some follow-up things to show you pictures of everything we did but please say hi if you are joining us because you picked up one of our rad reading bookmarks let us know that too yes yes please do because a lot of you um we talked to you, you know, about the podcast and y'all took our bookmarks and we're very kind to listen to us pitch our, our podcast. So if you're out there, come say hi. Thanks to all of our listeners, the ones that have been here forever too. So we hope that every book you read before we see you again is rad reading. Bye you guys. Bye.